There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Before we get started with this week's edition of Bench with Bubba, let me talk to you about Draft. Draft Draft.com is one of the coolest new ways to play fantasy sports. You get to draft against you know, three, five, ten-man competitions. There's new drafts starting every five minutes. Your chances of winning on draft are over 80% better than on salary cap sites. That's why you need to try draft. No more getting crushed by the pros. More than one million people have already downloaded draft. You can play in real-life NBA, NFL. They have NHL. PGA is a great one. They have MLB. They have them all. It keeps getting better, better, and better. Drafts usually finish in under five minutes. You get paid the next day. The event finishes, but they're fi- and they're filling fast. Every second, drafts are filling. They have them up until your game. Games begin. All new players get a free entry into a real money draft when you make your first deposit, and you have to use the promo code SD Sports. All one word, SD Sports. That's right. Playing a real money draft for free by using the promo code SD Sports. But it gets even better. Draft is so sure you'll love it that they're even offering a money back guarantee up to $100. Just search Draft in your app store or go to Draft.com and come play for free right now with promo code SD Sports. Void or prohibited, must be 18 or older. See website for details. Offer must be redeemed within 14 days. Now to this week's edition of Benched with Bubba. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Benched with Bubba, episode 68. Can't even write down the outline properly. Episode 68, we're talking more fantasy baseball here. Um, you know, Super Bowl just ended. I guess congratulations, Eagles fans. But uh, that is over. But we are here to talk baseball because it's officially baseball season now. And in order to do so, I have a special guest. You can find him on Twitter, at RealFakeWalter. Uh, he does a, a podcast, Real Fake Baseball, on LennyMelnick.com. Uh, he had his co-host, Paul Martin, was on with me three, four episodes ago. But, uh, Walter, how are we doing? Good, good. It's, I, I'm definitely happy to be on. I, I just wish I, I had made it to the next episode so I could be on episode 69. But, uh, 
but yeah, I, I'm definitely glad to be here and I think it's going to be a fun time. Well, this will be just as nice, I promise. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's uh, it was weird when I was planning this month out for uh, this month and the next month. I was trying to get it all figured out. And I was originally going to do one podcast a week. I'm like, you know what? There's enough to talk about. Let's do two. So originally the guy that had episode six and I was super pumped and I had to break the news to him that you're like episode 75 now. So um, <laughs> yeah, you're a lot closer than the others, but uh, Matt Modica will be number 69. He's the uh, lucky one. Oh, but, that's a, that's that's a def, that's definitely a better guess for 69. Then. No, no, let's not go there because we'll we'll get some great 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 moments from you. But before we get into your Orioles talk first base, there's never a lot of MLB news these days, at least not good news. But Alex Avila did sign with the Arizona Diamondbacks, good catcher, left-handed hitter with some pop. Um, first off, what do you think his value is as a catcher? Because you know, going to Arizona, ball flies out of that ballpark. He could flourish down there. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be hard for him. Well, the problem is I'm really having a lot of problems with, like, the Diamondbacks, like, valuing them just because there's that – there's a lot of rumors about the humidor, and that that's supposed to severely affect all hitters there. So I, I, I'm not quite sure. And they have this weird infatuation with Jeff Mathis. So they for some reason they just love to play him all the time. He's a good glove. I, I think we're going to see pretty similar numbers from Avila as we did – last year well the only problem is he he ran like this crazy babip on it like I, I just don't think the average is sustainable i don't know i i don't really like avila personally I, I i guess he's a he's a decent two second catcher for me I, I i know you hate the two catcher leagues but we'll get into that in just one second but um i agree with what you said it's something that's not talked about enough and it's slowly getting mentioned more as we're getting closer to the season but the, the humidor in Arizona was supposed to be put in last year, and that kind of got put off. And it's like they're saying like 90% going to happen now. They're still not like fully on board with this. And I, I saw Derek Cardi was tweeting out a bunch of different things on how it's going to affect the home run rates, this, that, and the other. And it's kind of going to have the same impact it happened in Coors when they started using the humidor. But I'm, I'm concerned of how do you factor that in if the roof's open, the roof's closed, so on and so forth. I agree, though, that Jeff Mathis thing is what, what, is what worries me. If they somehow come out in, in spring training and say he's getting like 75% of the playing time, does that in, interest you more, or are you still just like, you know what, I'm going to go elsewhere? Well, I, I, I think that is that is pretty important because, I mean, he does hit the ball like extremely hard. Like I, I don't know what happened last year. He just started mashing and hitting more fly balls, and it, it's like a perfect, perfect mix there. But – but like he's, it's hard because we already know Jeff Mathis is Grinky's personal catcher, so that's already one start out of five that he's missing. So all that all that we need is Mathis to get another. Then you're looking at a 60-40 share, and I, I still think there's some some regression coming for Avila. I I, I would definitely like him much more in OBP leagues because he has those massive walk rates. So I, I definitely like him in OBP leagues, average leagues. I mean, second catcher is terrible, so he's he's still probably probably worth a shot there. No doubt about it. Now let's get into it. Um, I was talking recently about how I prefer the single catcher leagues. I, I just I, I can't. It's hard enough for me to get embrace one catcher, let alone having to do two. And then you told me after you listened to that podcast that you are a huge two catcher advocate. Here's the platform. Preach. 
All right, I, I wouldn't say huge, but the, the problem is with one-catcher leagues, it's, you know, you have Gary Sanchez, Wilson Contreras, Buster Posey, and then probably like Salvador Perez, JT Romuto, a couple guys like that. They'll go early, somewhat early in one-catcher leagues, and then the position is just completely forgotten. Like, we did a mock draft the other Friday night, and people just waited till the last round and were getting really, really good players. It's the position is nearly like worthless in a one catcher league. No one, no one pays attention to it. But now if you make it a two catcher league, you are, you wait until very late for both of your catchers and you're at a significant disadvantage. It, it just, it makes it to where the position is important. I get that there are very bad players, but avoiding the very bad players gives you a major edge. No, and that that makes a lot of sense. I was going to ask you, like in that league, I I usually always wait on catchers, and I took uh, Evan Gaddis. I just pulled up the mock draft. I took him in like the fifth or sixth round. I took him way too early, but um, <laughs> it's like you, it, it's well, especially after you go back and look what you mentioned. These guys were getting guys so late in the drafts. Um, what did you end up doing in that one, by the way? I, I think I took I, – I know I, I know I took Sal Perez in, like, the 11th round, I think, somewhere around there, which I since I play a whole bunch of two-catcher leagues, I was thinking about it. I was like, oh, man, Salvador Perez is here in a batting average league. This is awesome. So I took him, and I was like, okay, yeah, well, Yadier, Mo- yeah, Yadier Molina is still out there in, like, round 20. I'm like, what, like, what is going on here? So it it you kind of have to – change your thought process going between it. Cause like if, if it was a two catcher league, I probably would have doubled up on Perez and then Yachty the next round, you know, just well, get now, two guys with good batting average who are going to play a ton. Now I don't feel so bad. I took Gaddis in the 11th round three picks after you took Salvi. So yeah. <laughs> like, but like I can almost live with that. But then like you said, you look at some of these other ones, I know Mike Zanino stinks, but heck he went in the 25th round. If you have one catcher league, you can play roulette. Well, Nick Castillo, who I absolutely love, um, he went in the 15th round, four rounds later in a 15-team league at 60 picks. Austin Barnes around 13, so on and so forth. You could Brian McCann, who's going to get every day at bats in Houston, went won the 25th round. So, yeah, so it's it's like yeah. a lot of just good players just get completely forgotten, and it to me, it's just like it makes it there's a little bit more strategy to play to using your catcher slots than just the single catcher league. No, I I agree with that aspect. Uh, It does change it up for sure. Like you went Clayton Kershaw early. I know I'm jumping around now, but we're just going to do this. You, you took him with the 12th pick overall, 15 team league first round. I believe he was the first. No, he was the second pitcher off the board as Jeremy took uh, Scherzer at 10. Um, What you, you said, it's your boy. You want him. What makes you like Kershaw so much? Because to be honest, I am scared of that back. I'm terrified of that back. All right. Can you name the players who have provided first-round value in 15-team leagues for the past seven seasons? Well, Mike Trout's an easy one. Well, no. Mike Trout didn't provide first-round value last year. Oh, that's true. He got hurt. So what am I guessing? Kershaw's the only one? It is Clayton Kershaw. It's the only <laughs> answer. Seven straight seasons. That's crazy. So he got – Personally, I'm not sure he get, if he was hurt last year or if it was the Dodgers doing their little DL massages that they were doing last year. Because he got up, I, I think it was 175 innings. He was the number four starter in fantasy, which 
the thing is with Kershaw is, yes, I understand. Scherzer, Kluber, and Sale all outperformed him last year. That's correct. Scherzer outperformed him in 2016. He was not the number one starter in 2015 either. But the thing is, you are getting that safe floor where he's going to be one of the top starters and he's going to provide first-round value. Granted, he pitches a full season. In 2016, he only pitched, I think it was 150 innings, and he was the number two starter overall. It, it, it's outside of Mike Trout, there's – there's and I, I guess Scherzer's kind of up there now as well, or, and Al, Altuve, obviously. Those, those guys are the ones that give you the safe floor, in my personal opinion. No, that's very, very true. I, I can't hate on that at all. I just – I don't know. The back scares me, but if it's the philosophy you're speaking of, then yes, Kershaw's amazing. Um, I'm not a big pitchers early guy. I took pitchers on a turn in this mock shot because I'm starting to get that direction with the way it's so top heavy and then it just drops off dramatically, in my opinion. So, yeah, grabbing that Kershaw early, I, I can totally get behind. That makes a ton of sense there. Um, speaking, one more catcher's question for you. So, you mentioned El Gary and you have. Um, Buster and Contreras and those guys. Um, you mentioned if it's a single catcher league, you're just going to wait. Are you going to own any of those guys in single catcher leagues, like ever? No, no. There's no need to. Okay. Just want to clarify. I, I guess. Wait, hold on. I might own Gary Sanchez just because. If you really look at his stats from last year, they're n- like other than the games played, which. It was kind of he, – he had that biceps issue, but I, I'm not really going to knock him for that. His – like his home runs average, that stuff isn't too dissimilar from like an Anthony Rizzo type. And it's coming oh. from catcher. So I, I would say I'd own Gary Sanchez. I won't own Contreras, Buster Posey. I'd probably skip that whole second tier, third tier even. Like I, I, I wouldn't have taken Salvador Perez in the 11th round now. It, I would just skip all of them. No, Gary Sanchez fair. or last. No, that's that's valid. That's very, very valid. Um, let's talk about your Baltimore Orioles. You told me you're a Baltimore Orioles fan. I said, I'm sorry. I meant that in the nicest way possible because they have some very fun pieces to watch. I just don't know the direction the team is going. It's very confusing, the whole situation. But we'll start at the top with Manny Machado, one of the top young players in all of baseball, obviously, but one of the best defenders at third base. Heck, let's move him to shortstop, or back to shortstop, I should say. He's going 19th overall in NFBC drafts on average on their ADPs. First off, what do you think his impact's going to be this year? Because without him stealing bases, it really hurts the overall impact, obviously. But moving him to shortstop, where he's going to get shortstop eligibility, does this increase him to you? Because the shortstop position isn't great, but it's not horrific as it used to be. So would you move him up, basically, or are you keeping him where he's at? See, I, the, the way I draft, I, I kind of early, I, I kind of just like ignore position and just go for who I think is the best player. So it kind of, I guess it adds a little bit of value, especially if you're in like a draft and hold league because multi-position is really, really helpful there. But I think in like normal leagues, I he, he's kind of like the same to me personally. And I really haven't gotten much Machado this year just because, like you said, I, I mean, he has the nine stolen bases, but he, he did hit 260 last year. And personally, I don't know how people are 
like I hate to say it, I don't know how people are taking him over Aaron Judge. Like I get the strikeout rate and all that, and but he just hit 52 home runs and had I, I think he had eight or nine stolen bases. It's it's just kind of insane to me. Like I hate yeah. to I hate to say I'm taking a, a a Yankees player over over the Orioles player, but when it comes to fantasy, I have no allegiance. So it, well, that's the way you have to do it. You can't I just, you can't play with your heart. Yeah, I, I just don't I, – I personally don't understand it. If you put Aaron, Ju- J- Aaron Judge's numbers next to Manny Machado or Carlos Correa's name, they're going to be, what, the fourth overall pick probably, somewhere around there? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah I, now, I just I just don't get it. Now, Machado had a 265 Babbitt this year. That's got to increase. you got to imagine his average is going to about, let's say, 280. You think he's a good enough hitter for that. I just don't see the steals increasing, so that's kind of what concerns me. Um, when you're looking at the ADPs, let's just play some games here. So he's going 19.1 at 19.5 is Jose Ramirez. Jose or Manny? Yeah, that's tough. I, I I've been struggling with that because I like like I like I've been telling you, I'm I'm like a baseball nerd, and Jose Ramirez has one of those baseball nerd profiles. Like doesn't strike out at all walks a good amount and hits a ton of fly balls and line drives. It's just, I I think I might take Jose Ramirez, honestly, because he's just, I, I don't know. There's just something about Jose Ramirez that I, I've just fallen in love with. Okay. Going 20th is Gary Sanchez. You take Sanchez over Machado. Is this a one or a two catcher league? Either or. We can do both. If, it, if it's a right. one, I, I think actually, I think I. Yeah, yeah, I think I go with Machado there. Okay, here's one that actually gets. Well, there's a couple coming. I'm gonna give you a couple more here. At 21.3, Francisco Lindor. If you like Jose Ramirez, I would. Lindor's interesting too. Yeah, I I think I like Machado more. Okay. Than Lindor, I, they're they're all just so close. I like with the first couple of rounds, it's just so. It, it's like such a preference just on yep. what kind of profile you like, what you're really looking for statistically. Like, like you said, you, you haven't felt that you're a big pitcher early person. And it's like someone's not a pitcher early person. They just move all the pitchers back and then the, the hitters move up. If you like power, you like power and speed. It, I, I think it all depends on how you want to make your team personally. No, I, that's a hundred percent correct. And I, I think early I'm, I'm pretty big on like, maintaining my like I, I don't know how to I don't know it, it depends on the players there I, I like getting the batting average guys but I still love Aaron Judge even though I think he's going to hit like 260 that just watching him hit he just destroys baseballs that's the only oh, way I can describe yeah. him hitting well just you just destroy- so, so talking Aaron Judge like you think 260 I think that's probably about right um like let's just play some games here how many homers do you think he comes out with this year because he was amazing last year, but what, 45 sound about right? See, uh, I have a hard time projecting over 40, like yeah. just in general. But with Aaron Judge, like if you told me he had 60 home runs this year, I wouldn't be surprised at all. No, never. Yeah, it, it's just like that. that's what I'm saying. Like the uh, like I would project 40 for him, but then the realistic upside is like insane. Like you could see him hitting – like I said, 60 home runs this year, no one would blink an eye. It's like you just don't get that. Like like with Machado, if he hit 50 home runs this year, I would be very surprised. Oh, yeah, no doubt. He's got, the, the thing is, though, 
I say, yeah, no doubt, like it's a no-brainer, but he's got that power. That's the scary thing. We've seen Machado hit just absolute bombs. Yeah, yeah. Trust me, but it's like it's like Aaron Judge has hit 50 home runs already. Well, Aaron Judge could accidentally slap him (laughs) one and it goes out, where Machado still has to put a good swing on the ball. Yeah, that's that's what I – and then, like, I I personally don't like to put lineup into the argument, but that Yankees lineup is going to be – ridiculous I, like, like, I, like Paul don't listen to this podcast please no he he knows like he knows I hate the Yankees but I just love their players for fantasy like like I love Aaron Judge I love Gary Sanchez it's just they're just it's gonna be bonkers this year and like, I hate it like how tasty is Dee Gregorius if he gets sandwiched somewhere in between the sandwich Stanton and Aaron Judge combination <sighs> yeah it's the thing is, I don't really like Didi Gregorius. I don't like his profile at all, personally. <laughs> but and but I love Brett Gardner. I love Aaron Hicks. I love I Stanton. Love I love Judge, Gary Sanchez. I, I don't really like Greg Bird. But all those guys, it's just like it, it could just be like fantasy goodness all around this year on that Yankees lineup. It's pretty interesting if you really think about it. Uh... I was talking catchers on a recent podcast, and, you know, you take the two Braves catchers, Flowers and Suzuki, and if it's a daily moves league, you can get, like, a top five fantasy catcher out of that. Um, I think it would be interesting late in drafts, you can get Hicks and Gardner to simulate, drop them both, because they're going to spend a lot of time platooning or filling in for Judge and Stanton, but I guess it would be pretty much them as the third and the fourth guy, unless I'm looking at it wrong, but I think that's an interesting concept late in drafts in a daily league. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't disagree. I, I think they're both good in weekly leagues because I think all four of those outfielders are going to play. One of them is going to DH. True. And I I mean, I, I love all those guys. If you could get all of them on the team, I'd be happy with it. Yeah. If you can get a Yankees lineup, life would be good. Um, let's talk about another guy. Second baseman. Had a big, big year last year. Um, he hit – a whopping 293, which I don't foresee happening again, but 32 homers. The power is there, doesn't steal at all. But Jonathan Scope, interesting pick. He's going 63rd overall, basically, in NFBCs. What are you expecting out of Scope? I'm hearing a lot of shade get thrown his way out there. Yep, I'm I'm going to continue with the shade being thrown his way. I, I think he's more of like a 270 hitter than a 293. And I, I think the power is legit. The 30 home runs, yeah, I, I can easily see 30 home runs. But 70, 270, 30 home run hitter just isn't as valuable as where he's going in drafts. It's, it's just not. That hurts. But, yeah, I, I don't see him holding up his end of the bargain. I love the kid. I love his talent. Ex-Giants farmhand. Uh, there's a lot I like about him, but he's going so high right now. It's, it's hard to uh, – to jump on that because if you look at the overall ADP, let me pull that up because I have second base up. But if he's going like 63rd right now, you got some guys next to him that's going to really make you think a little bit. Yeah, um, like I like I have Tommy, him. Yeah, yeah, I have him in a dynasty league, and it, it's been awesome because I I drafted him before 2016, and mm-hmm. yeah, he's provided great numbers for where I drafted him. But now it's just like. I think I'm going to put him on the block soon, just just to see what I can get for him. Well, while the value is high, you might as well roll that die. Yeah. Um, like like you got scope at 63, like Daniel Murphy's at 67. 
Yeah, yeah. You, you can't take him over Murphy. Well, a, Murphy does have that tough. injury. God, that, that's what I yeah. hate. Like, he's, he's getting so injury. old. He's getting so old. Eventually, that's just going to crap out. <laughs> I think I'm skipping I'm skipping over that that second base area right there, the Murphy, Cano, Scope. Whit Merrifield. Oh, I, I do like Whit Merrifield. He's going at 70. Yeah, I, I, I would take him over right. over those guys personally because it's like he – I don't think he's going to hit – what, he hit 19 home runs last year, 18 or 19 last year. I think he's going yeah, to he's gonna hit more in like the 10 to 12 area, but that 30 stolen bases is really valuable, and the batting average looks real. It's just – I think it's just a, a more valuable package for the way fantasy is right now. Yeah, and you know he's going to get the playing time because who else do they have? They don't have anybody. <laughs> well, that so, Alcides Escobar. Wait, we didn't worst. talk about him. We didn't talk because, about him in the news. Because the, that's the one news. of the worst signings on the planet. Like, seriously, Royals, I can go on a rant about this if you like, but we'll just digress on that one. That is just <laughs> uh, bad business all over the place there. Um, Christian Yellick was right around the Jonathan Scopes. I want to ask you about him because I think – it could be just Captain Obvious stuff, but going to Milwaukee, I think, is tremendous. There's some people saying, oh, it's not going to change much more BS. But I think come, you know, March, given a month, he's going to be in the 50s on the draft boards. What are your, your expectations at Yellick, just real quick? My problem is he just doesn't hit enough fly balls to really take advantage of the park factor change. I, I think he might hit a couple more home runs, maybe get in the, like, 22, 23 range, and – I, I'm not sure if he's going to run more. Like, what, could he get to, like, 18? So, yeah, I, I think he's he should, he's going right where he should be, okay. personally. I, I, I just don't see the – like, if he ends up hitting more fly balls, it could be crazy upside because he does just, like, destroy them when he hits them. But yeah. until he starts doing it, I, I just can't take him any higher than he's going. Yeah, and that's what I'm curious to see is we've seen in recent years this whole, you know, exit velocity and launch angle and all these changes you see like Yonder Alonso and all these other players, they make it a point to change things. I wonder if the shift in the ballpark is going to make him, who's a very talented hitter, change things this spring where all of a sudden he's like, you know what, I could really, really make this work and, and see how that goes. I'm curious to see how that all plays out. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's happened with some because like Jose – like. Like Jose Ramirez and Lindor both did it. They yep. started hitting more fly balls. Like last year, you saw Lindor hit 33. No one would have ever said Lindor was a 33 home run hitter. Like True. when he was coming up, everyone thought he was like an eight to ten home run hitter, and he was going to steal 25 to 30 bases. And instead, this year he hit 33 home. Run. Like I hated Lindor when he came up. I I didn't think he was going to be anything. And I, I think that was actually a, the more common opinion than thinking he was going to be a fantasy superstar. Yeah, I wasn't thinking he's going to be a superstar, but I was always wondering why everyone didn't like him so much. I'm like, the kid's good. <laughs> and by no means did I think he was going to hit 33 homers. And I'm like, 20 is realistic with this kid. And he can steal like 2020, I thought was a very realistic thing. And my goodness, what he did last year was way more than I thought, but made me feel a little better about life. Um, <laughs> let's talk about a guy that needs to feel better about life after last year. He hit 215 with only 26 home runs, talking Crush Davis, the guy we know is not going to be a big average guy. He's kind of like, to me, he's the modern-day Adam Dunn. 
um, for those out there that remember who Adam Dunn was. But I think he still can get more like the 35 to 40 homer guy. Is there a lot more to enjoy about him this year? Because you're getting him really late. Yeah, I actually like Chris Davis this year. And I I never am really a Chris Davis guy. Like, I mean, the two years prior, he had 38 and 47 home runs. The two years prior to last year. So we know he has... Like he has major power. I think everyone knows Chris Davis has huge power. He he had some major major contact issues even for himself last year. So the batting average I don't see getting over maybe like 225. I would guess that that's that's about a realistic batting average you're going to get from him. But if he can get you 35 home runs that late, it could be pretty valuable. Yeah, and that's what I'm thinking. You get him super late. Um, you can go maybe if you have the average stability, like you mentioned, taken early in the draft. Definitely a guy you can enjoy later on. Um, a guy you picked up middle of last year, Tim Beckham, took Baltimore by storm, took the fantasy world by storm when he went over there. But again, kind of like scope, not so much, but kind of like scope. There's a lot of shade getting thrown his way of not quite being that guy, given you get him way, way later than Jonathan Scope. So I think it's okay. What are your expectations on Timmy Beckham? Yeah, Tim Beckham, he's another one of those – I don't know. The Orioles just love these high strikeout, don't walk players. It's like it's like their mold. The that, opposite of Moneyball. They're like, they're like trying to find the next Adam Jones. Like they just keep trying to do it. And it's like – only Adam Jones can sustain this specific profile. Like it, it's not, it's not a sustainable profile at all. And it's like I, I keep wanting to like Tim Beckham, like because I watch, like when I watch him play, he looks like a good hitter. He does whiff a little too much, but then I just look at his like statistical profile, and all I see is just like red flags, like massive BABIP, massive strikeout rate high home run to fly ball rate and a low fly ball rate. It, it's just like everything that I look at that's going to be like major regression. And it's, it's hard because <laughs> I feel like I'm just crapping all over the Orioles team. And that's, that's just how it is though. I, I, I don't think, I don't think I'll be taking Tim Beckham at all this year. Okay. Yeah. You get him at like one or uh, two seventy right now. So going super late, going around young Hervis Salarte, Addison Russell range and shortstop. So definitely some levers there if you want to go that route. You mentioned Adam Jones. What is going on with Adam Jones? Let's just put it out there. He had a 285, 26 homer year. Not bad at all. But, like, no one talks about Adam Jones. Yeah, just pencil him in for 25 home runs. He's done it for, like, eight straight years. He'll probably hit 280, which he – seems to do other than those other than 2015 2016 all those years he hit like i think it i think it was something crazy yeah let me look at it now yeah from 2010 through 2014 he hit between 280 and 287 and and then he had 269 265 and then back up to 285 he's gonna hit 280 with 25 home runs just with like 80 runs and 80 rbi that's that's just adam jones pretty solid I'll yeah. take that. He's and a he floor pick. Yeah, he's a floor pick. He's like, to me, he's like, I mentioned uh, a few weeks ago, Jay Bruce. Not flashy, but you're going to get the same thing every year, super late in drafts. Yeah, Jones I love Jay Bruce. Be, yeah, Jones won't be as late, but these are guys you can count on when you're trying to decide 
Do I want to gamble? Do I need some stability? These are the kind of guys that get overlooked, not talked about nearly enough. Yep, exactly. It's it's when you need that guaranteed production. Say you've picked some riskier players early. He's one of those safe floor guys that you don't normally find once once it gets to the point that he's being taken. Yeah, no doubt about it. Let's talk about some of your pitchers. Uh, Kevin Gossman, I've been a big Gossman guy like every single year, and he kind of made me feel better about myself last year. The overall numbers didn't look phenomenal, but if people paid attention to him, he was really, really good when he had the right catcher for him. If that makes sense for those that know it, they know what I'm talking about. Um, can, I, but, can I just yeah. say, insert Kevin Gossman sleeper topic where he had a great second half that we've said yeah. for the past, like, what, five years or something crazy? Just yes, like every year. Great, great second half. Then he comes back, is terrible again the next year, but has a great second half. And then everyone's back in again. So is, that, is that you telling me you don't want anything to do with Kevin Gossman? It's me telling you that I will take a chance again because mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I'll just take the pain again. Yep, I keep, I do it almost every year. I'm with you. Can I can I tell you what's crazy though? I was yeah. looking at I was looking just through game starts, like game started the other day, and Goss was actually tied for the league lead in games started last year. Yeah, he had 34 starts. I was just looking at it. that's crazy. You don't think about that with him. Yeah, you you don't like he he always seemed to be injured, and I, I think injury prone gets slapped on young players way too early in their careers. Like Stanton, like like Stanton still has the injury prone tag, and it's like the dude got hit in the face. <laughs> he got hit in his in his hand, and then the other one he broke his hand while swinging a bat too hard. The only real injury he had was he he tore a groin muscle, which it's like. This dude is massive. What like big dudes have like problems with like soft tissue injuries, but that's the only one he's had, and the rest have been like fluky injuries. Yeah. But yet he's injury prone. Hey, haters want to hate. Just how it goes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Gossman, I was looking at his stats: 186 and two thirds innings, 34 starts, almost 22% K rate. You know, the 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 numbers look really good until you get to ERA and the fit. <laughs> And the X fit things that matter in fantasy baseball, unfortunately. You know, the real painful one is the whip. Yeah, almost the one five whip. That's that's a killer. It is home run to fly balls almost fifteen percent. Like that's not something you want. I know. I know the ball flies out of Baltimore. I get it. But then again, he had a bad whip of three thirty six. That has to regress, one would think. But yeah, it, it should. But it should. I, yeah, I don't know. Say, like, it should. <laughs> I'm tempering expectations. That that's what I'll say. I will take a chance at his current ADP, but don't expect anything crazy. And and I I think he's a he's a guy that if I draft, I I wouldn't be afraid to drop him if he yeah. if he starts out cold. Personally, that's a good point. And he's going about 206 in the uh, NFBC. If you look at pick 193, he get his teammate Dylan Bundy. He had about 170 innings pitched last year, 28 starts as well. Uh, for those that don't know Dylan Bundy, he was a highly heralded prospect. Injury issues, not injury prone, injury issues. Um, <laughs> and if you look at his peripherals, they're lined up next to each other here on the Fangraphs team page. They're almost identical. Like, it's with Kevin Gossman. It, there's a few skewed areas, but for the most part, pretty darn close. Babbitt's a big difference to me. 
does Dylan make that next step towards that big time prospect people thought he was, or is there some concern still? Now Bundy is Bundy's a guy I'm in on. Okay. Like towards the end of the season, I I think it was around August when he had like this massive, massive month and they they kind of started to unleash him and let him throw his slider more, which is as if everyone knows Dylan Bundy when he was like when he was drafted by the Orioles, you had you had scouts putting an eighty grade on his cutter, slider, whatever whatever they wanted to call it, but they were putting an eighty on it, which is like absolutely insane to give uh, an eighteen year old an eighty on their breaking ball. And even last year, if, if you just look at his pitches, like. His fastball is kind of, and eh, his changeups, and eh. but if you look at the slider, he had a forty-four percent strikeout rate and a six percent walk rate on the just on the slider, which is insane. So I think if they unleash him and just let him throw that pitch more, we could just like, I think he could be like a fantasy number two. Oh, I agree. What he did in the second half last year was outstanding. It showed the guy we all thought he'd be. Um, I, I'm big on him. The fact he's going as late as he's going kind of makes me scratch my head a little bit. But like he's going right around Michael Fulmer, who I want nothing to do with personally. But that's maybe just me. But um, yeah, yeah, I've I, never I, really liked Michael Fulmer personally. I'm not big on I, Fulmer. He's a, he's a massive contact guy. I want strikeouts on my fantasy team. I'll take some ERA ups and downs. I want the strikeouts. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I. And I know you're a DFS guy, so I'm sure you use Bundy around his Fine. August month. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure say, he the second, the the second half, he was he's my boy. Yeah, he was one of my boys. I went he, to him early and often. Yeah, he was crushing it at the end of the year. Yeah, so I'm wondering about that. And I mentioned how Gosman. I made the joke about the catcher's things. That was a, a DFS thing. Um, now I do play a ton of season long. People are slowly figuring that out. But yes, DFS is my my darling also. But Gosman, if it was Big Wellington Castillo behind the dish, it was not pretty. Mm-hmm. If it was Caleb Joseph, it was beautiful. Well, Beef is out of town. What's the catcher situation looking like in Baltimore this year? Because if you're telling me, you know, Bucky's going to put Joseph back there all the time, I'm a lot more intrigued on Gossman. I was already intrigued, as I said, but it, it makes it even more. Well, I, I'm not really sure what they're going to do because they have Caleb Joseph still. They also have Chance Cisco. The, they're one of their top prospects, and they just picked up your boy Andrew Susack. That's right, you got Susack. Oh, yeah, he was supposed Damn. to be like the next Buster Posey after like thirty games in the majors. More like busted. <laughs> no, I re- I remember there was serious talk about moving Posey to first because yep, of Susack's debut. Yep. But I so I I'm not really sure. I I think we'll just have to wait to see if. Who's gonna make the team? Because honestly, any like any of those guys, like two or three of those guys, is gonna make the team. But I have no clue who. Um, another outfielder I forgot to ask about earlier. A young prospect made his debut last year. There's a lot of buzz about him maybe getting a job to start the season. Is Mr. Hayes, Austin Hayes? Uh, I love what he can do. Everything looks really, really good. A, do you think he starts the year with the club? And B, is he worth a take in fantasy? See, my, my thing is, if they're smart, he does not start the year on the team to save that extra year of service time because I don't think the Orioles are going to be contenders, personally. I, I, I think that's just realistic. What I know about the team is they may just let him start, and 
he has a ton of power. I think he hit 36 or 37 home runs in his debut season. And, I mean, he has a ton of power. He, he's another guy who – he actually – he has a good hit tool, but he doesn't really strike out, and he doesn't walk at all. So he fits right in, not walking at all on the team. But I think if he gets a job, he'll hit for power, and he might make his way to the top of the lineup, which, which could be a really good – could be a really good pick for where he's going. No, uh, he's some. He's a guy I have targeted late in drafts. I think there's a lot to like about him. Yeah, uh, sure. let's, talk, let's talk a little relief options here, and then we'll move on to the first base position. But we all know Zach Britton gone at least halfway through the year, if not longer, pretty much non-existence in my mind. Uh, but you got Brad Brock, who I was a big fan of last year, had him in a lot of stuff. Yeah, Brock O'Day, Givens. There's a lot of rumors of a lot of things, but I think Brock's the man going forward. What's your take on this pin? Are you touching it? Or are you just going to watch it implode? I mean, they're they're all good pitchers. That that's the thing. Like Brock O'Day and Givens are all good pitchers. So the the one problem is like like I said, I I don't think they're contenders, and I believe Brock's contract is up at the end of this year. Britain's is for sure. So. I think there. I think when Britain comes back, he will get his role back personally, because and I think him and Brock are on the way out. I, I think they'll be traded at the deadline, and I'm hoping Michael Givens would be the guy around that time. But it, it, it's just like I still think they could give it give the job to Darren O'Day if he is also not traded. So it's a big mess. I, I think I'm just going to personally avoid it. Yeah, I don't hate it at all. I think those are good. Three great arms to target in saves, holds leagues. And saves leagues, terrified. Absolutely terrified. Yeah, yeah. I I agree oh. there. Save hold, it's yeah. it's a whole different different ball game. You just want the best pitchers mainly. Yeah, yeah, definitely get the best ratios and go. And that's one reason why I like Brock. I think I've had O'Day in a keeper or a dynasty saves hold leagues for a long time. People go, why are you doing that? Because he's all he does. He goes and gets a couple ground balls and he leaves. It works out really well. <laughs> yeah, that um, side that sidearm, it's just I don't know. They just can't hit it at all. It's coming in yeah, like him, high Ziegler. 80s. Yeah. It's, they, it's like it's like a it's like a loogie, but from the right side, it's just crazy. We take this brief break from Bench with Bubba to talk to you about RotoWare. It's one of the best quality shirts in the industry. When I mean industry, all the clothing industry, the fantasy sports industry, because people are rocking it. They're loving it. You're seeing it in a lot of big outlets now. The, no other brand can compete with RotoWare in terms of quality. They're premium blend fabric, super soft, comfortable, athletic fit shirts. They specialize with a special, special printing process. The design is part of the shirt. Literally, it is, it is dyed and bleached into the fabric. No thick ink. There's over 30 different designs right now. It's just crazy all the stuff they have coming out, and there's more and more stuff every time you turn your head. They have fantasy football, baseball, hockey, basketball, some really cool DFS ones, but everything's great. They have men's, women's, and kids. Check them all out. Go to rotoware.com, R-O-T-O-W-E-A-R.com. Check them out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at rotoware. But the cool part, guys, if you use the promo code DEGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, you get 20% off your order. Again, promo code DEGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S. Check their site out. Check them Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. They're always giving away free shirts. And then when you go to purchase the ones you want for you, your loved ones, your friends, your family, whatever, use promo code DEGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, for 20% off your order. Now back to this week's episode of Bench with Bubba. 
let's move to the first base position, talk about uh, some top tens, some players to like, not like, so on and so forth. We'll start with the simple part. Who are your top ten first basemen? And then I'll give you mine. All right. So, so I I went through. I, I've had some I've had some trouble with this. If I'm going to be honest, there there's some there's some spots that I'm I'm kind of kind of swaying on. So so one I think Goldie. That's just that's just easy. Mm-hmm. I I think we can agree there. Then I went Votto, Freeman, oh. Rizzo. Then, then I got weird. I went with Reese Hoskins as my well, next. We're going to talk about him. All right. <laughs> so then I went Bellinger, Abreu, Hosmer, Will Myers. Okay. Um, I have the same top nine. I have Myers eleven. I have Miggy Cabrera ten. And I, when I put these out a while ago, I already said I'm going to change things. But I got I have Goldie then Votto. Then I have Bellinger third, Rizzo, Freeman. Then I have Abreu, Edwin, Reese. Hosmer, um, but Reese, I could like I could see him moving up. I could see Free. I I, I think I'm too low on Freeman in this. Like you have him at three, I believe. I, I like Freddie a lot. Um, yeah, yeah, he's just he's just consistent. Yeah, consistent. My, my I I I just have like this. Uh, I just have this love for Votto, so I have him. He's he's just so he's just a machine. Yeah, no, I have Votto yeah. too. And, and, <laughs> yeah, you know, Votto. Honestly, honestly, if you know, Goldie still got his steals this past year. There's no sugarcoating that, but it seemed like it was coming down, and I, I credit it to his, his ankle injury more than anything. But if he's not stealing bags, and like the steamer projections for 18 have him at 16 steals, still great for a first baseman. But Votto's everything else Votto does is, is equal, if not better than Goldie. You can almost justify Votto at number one. Yeah, I, I think you could really justify it in OBP leagues because Votto oh, with that time, 4, 450 OBP is just is just massive. Insane. I mean, I mean obviously, Goldie is just he's a he's so good as well. Like I, I he has a 400 plus OBP as well. But Votto's most likely going to lead the league again this year in OBP. Like it seems like he always does. And yeah, yeah, yeah he's, he, he's like, I love watching I love watching Votto hit. It's just. It's just a thing of beauty, honestly. Well, it's as professional as it comes. He's literally like has a game plan for every pitch. You watch him; it's he, he's not taking to take. Like what he does up there is hitting one on one. Darn impressive to watch. Yeah, yeah. He just had a a career low strikeout rate. Mm-hmm. Career low at what age age thirty three drops yeah. it down to under twelve percent with a nineteen percent walker. It's just. Yeah. It's insane. It's not right. Um, <laughs> so you have Freeman at three. Uh, yeah. In that ballpark, it's hard to hate that. He's got 30-plus homers, 100 RBIs, the whole goods there. So I, I can't hate on that. Let's just skip to the um, to the, to the, the, the to the elephant in the room, which is an elephant anymore, Reese Hoskins. You love Reese Hoskins, and don't fault you for that by any means. But profess your love. Like, what's what do you love so much about Reese to have him? I believe you said fifth on your rankings. Yeah, so I have him. I have him fifth. So, if I told you there's a player out there, I granted it's a small sample size, but he had a swinging strike rate the same as Jose Altuve, and hard contact rate the same as Joey Gallo. What would you say? That's pretty good. That's pretty good, <laughs> that's pretty right? That's, good. that's 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 an insane combo, right? 
Yeah, so, yeah, most power guys don't have that swinging strike rate. No, that that's that's where it is for me. So he had a ne- nearly a twenty two percent strikeout rate, and based on his swinging strike rate, that that should that should go down a, a good amount. And obviously, I'm not expecting he's gonna. I'm not gonna extrapolate his eighteen home runs in fifty games and say he's hitting fifty home runs, but I think he could easily hit. 35 and hit 290-ish, 280, 290, because that contact is so good. And, like, even in, like, he's had enough time for his walk and strikeout rates to stabilize. Like, I don't think people realize that. And his swinging strike rate has stabilized. It Like, there he has had enough plate appearances for it. His hard contact rate has not. But he he hits the ball. So like you watch him, he hits it so hard and he hits a ton of fly balls. It's just, I don't know. It's just everything I want to see in a hitter profile. No, there's a lot to like about it. And the ballpark doesn't suck. Um, does moving from first base to the outfield concern you at all? I, I bring up a guy that I've always been big on Miguel Sano, but when they moved him from third to the outfield the first time, he struggled a lot. They moved him back to third base and he played phenomenal again. Does the move for Hoskins concern you at all? Well, I, I believe he played like 30 games in the out – or he played part of the season last year in the outfield. In AAA though, right? Not in the bigs? I know no, in, it should, in the it majors. Oh, he did? Yeah, I'm, wow, I'm pretty I'm, sure I'm he played up, part of last year in the majors. Well, why is everybody else making a big deal about this? <laughs> well, I mean, he's he not going to be good defensively. No, but we don't care about that in fantasy. No, no. I, but, but that's what I'm saying. I, I think he should be fine. Like I, what's I, what, I sep- what, well, what separates Reese from Cody Bellinger to you? Well, my my thing with Cody Bellinger is he he doesn't have that contact rate. That that's the main reason. I I think he's going to struggle a bit more with the contact, and I I, I think his batting average is going to be a a little bit less. That that's the main reason. I think think he might have a little more power upside and I, w- I would still take Bellinger in like a dynasty league just because I think once everything comes together he's just going to be like a monster but I, but for this year only I, I want Reese Hoskins okay I'm glad you specified that because I agree Cody he wasn't even really a power guy until last year so everything's still coming with him oh Reese yeah has a, <laughs> Reese has been a monster <laughs> yeah yeah I mean Bellinger once everything comes together he like he's only 22 years old and he already has a almost a 40 home run season under his belt. It's like once it all comes together, it's, it's going to be insane. But the the contact is a little bit of an issue to me. Okay. I'm going to jump out of the top 10 real quick. We'll come back. But since we're talking about these young bats, so you have Cody's going about 24, 25. Yeah. Hoskins going about 51 going all the way at pick 120 is Matt Olson, a big time power bat for the A's. Everyone knows about him. 40 plus homer potential coming into this year with an everyday job looking like, What's your thoughts on Matt Olson? Would you rather have one of those guys early, or would you rather wait for Matt and takes a different need early? Um, like, like honestly, like, like I said, I think it kind of depends on how I'm building my team because I think Olson is is gonna have a real problem with his batting average. I think I think he could hit in the two forty range. I I think he he will also be a major power hitter. I I, I think you could see forty home runs out of him as well, but. It's like if he hits 240 with 40 home runs and, like, I don't really know what his counting stats are going to be. So 
I think I, I don't know. I think he's going a little high right now, but I, I still do like him. Yeah. All right. Um, he's going 120. Joey Gallo's going 116. Both batting average liabilities. Which one of those two would you rather have? I in mine, I have them right next to each other. I have Matt Olson right just ahead of Joey Gallo. <laughs> For, right. in mind, so it, it looks like I'm like right in line with ADP there. Yeah, I got Olsen two above, or yeah, two above Gallo in mind, so pretty much side by yeah, side. I, I felt like they were just pretty much almost the same player. No, they are. That's why I wanted to ask is the way they're going so close in drafts. Both have tremendous power upside and all the good stuff you want, so pretty interesting with that. Um, you know, you mentioned Jose Abreu. Now, this is a guy I always like to talk about when we do stuff like this because he is like that guy that's always overlooked at the first base position, and he's as consistent as it comes. There's no reason to not want him on your roster if he's available, obviously. Do you ever foresee yourself maybe saying, you know what, the way I know you've been saying the way drafts play out, and I get all that. Do you see like a, an idea where, you know what, I'm going to wait for Abreu, who's going after all of these guys, I can get Jose at pick 43 instead of, you know, Freeman at 22 and stuff like that. Do you foresee yourself waiting on an Abreu ever, or is that not like an initial target is what I'm trying to say? Oh, no, I, I really like Abreu because early in drafts, I, it, it's like some – it depends. Okay, so let, let me rephrase this. So I do really like Abreu. I, the only problem is I like – like the problem with first base – is I like Nelson Cruz more than a lot of these guys. And I, I know people don't like to clog up their DH, but the guy just hits like 39 to 40 home runs every year and hits 290 to 300. And it's like, is having the guy at first base really different than having him in util? It's like kind of, but it's like Nelson Cruz outproduces all of them. So that's that's kind of the problem I'm having in drafts is I'm not really getting any of these guys and I'm taking Nelson Cruz. But but yeah, like like you said, I will. I, I think Jose Abreu is one of my targets this year, just because like you said, yeah, consistency, buddy. thirty home runs. He's gonna hit two ninety to three hundred. Gonna get you a hundred RBI and then like eighty to ninety runs scored. Just like just put it in there. Yeah, no, I, I love the consistency aspect. Now let's talk sleepers, uh, so they're obviously not as consistent as you would imagine, but what are a couple sleepers you're, ta- you're looking for? You mentioned Chris Davis is a guy you don't mind late, but he might not be a target of yours. Uh, you know, guys like Josh Bell are kind of ringing across the area. Carlos Santana is a tremendous find. What are some sleepers you're looking at? All right, so one guy I I actually do like. This. Maybe this will hit close to home with you, but I, I – I'm kind of liking Brandon Belt this year. You like the baby giraffe. Like, I like it. The, the year everyone – because it seems like everyone is out this year. Everyone has loved uh-huh. Brandon Belt every other season. And this is the year everyone is out on him. And, and, and seriously, what has changed to make people feel that way? N- nothing. That, yeah, that's I mean, my point. That, runs I don't in 100 it. games, it's, I could easily see him hitting like the – 275 to 280 that he normally hits other than last year's crazy low Babbitt and then hit 20 to 25 home runs and where he's going. That's like, I could easily see it happening. No, I, I love Brandon belt as a, not even just a giant kind of it helps, <laughs> but you know, people got to remember too. 
people might have thrown shade on Longoria and McCutcheon coming to the Giants, but they're still making that lineup a boatload better than it was before. So there's yeah, it couldn't be worse. a lot. No, it couldn't be any worse. It was dreadful. <laughs> and Belt and Belt was still producing, and you mentioned the injuries. It is a little concerning. I will say this much, the concussion things, it's scary. He's like just the he's hitting that just the Morneau level where it's like one more might be it. Um so that yeah, is I think I think we can I think we can give him the injury injury like injury prone with concussions because that's that's a big that's a that's a big that's a big problem that because it's just constantly happening and yeah but but where he's going I think he's like the thirtieth first baseman off the board or something like that last I checked it's it's crazy low yeah he's going really low I have him right here. Man, where, he's even lower. He's going to pick 305, basically, overall. He's way down the list. Like, yeah. there's Logan Morris and Chris Davis, Guriel. There's a bunch of guys going before him. Um, so, yeah, I love the belt call. Are there any other ones you're looking at down there? Um, Another another guy I'm looking at just, like, as, like, maybe my last pick is, is Colin Moran, who – you know, just got acquired by the Pirates. There, there's a lot of talk about his swing change. He was always a good contact hitter, but he, he kind of tapped into the power at AAA last year. And he fouled the ball off his face when he finally got a chance in the majors. And oh, so he's injury prone. Yeah, yeah, injury prone. Just, just like Stan. <laughs> just like Stan, injury prone. But, but yeah, I, I, I'd like to take a little flyer. He's going to be first. He'd probably be first and third eligible 10 games into the season. So – just to take a shot on him, just to see if he, if if the power is legit that he showed last year in AAA. No, I, I do like that call a lot. Every day at bats for him because he is really good. I saw him in Fresno a couple times. The kid can hit, so every day at bats going to be tremendous for him. What are your thoughts on everybody's, you know, April darling from last year, Eric Thames? See, I I was liking Thames, but with the whole. Yelich and Kane acquisitions. It's it's kind of like I don't see him playing very much. It sucks because I, I mean he'd make a really good just like platoon bat versus right-handed pitching because he just destroys right-hand pitching. He can't hit lefties at all. But yeah, it, it's hard because I just don't see him playing very much. Yeah, I agree with you there. What about um, another Yankee, Greg Bird? No, I'm I, I'm not on the Greg Bird train. It. It's just like where he's going. It, yeah, like like high. I said, I, I'd rather just take like a like a Brandon Belt or a Yonder Alonso way later. I love Yonder Alonso. Like <laughs> you you mentioned you mentioned Belt going at three hundred five. Alonso goes right after him at three ten. Like that's just extreme value for what you can get there. I might like Yonder more than Belt in that situation personally, but that's pretty good. Another one last guy I'll ask about here. Jose Ramirez of the Cardinals started getting regular at-bats late in the season. Tremendous, hit over 300, going about 280 overall right now in FBCs. Do you see any desire to take Jose Ramirez or is he – or Jose Martinez, I mean, or is he a guy that kind of you'll want to see more? I mean, if you if you look at StatCast data, it just loves Jose Martinez. Like, I mean, I, I think where he's going, it's it's kind of worth it just to, just to see if he's as good as – the numbers think he is. You know what I mean? Like I, mm-hmm. I, I feel like even if you don't believe what two eighty overall, you said. Yeah, 15 you can. Team, that's, 15, that's yeah, fifteen team leagues. That's like well, 
I, I don't know how how deep what what size leagues do you normally play in? That's a great question because it, it differs. I usually play in like twelve team leagues. Twelve team, okay. Yeah. So yeah, twelve team leagues. That's that's what round. It's you're going past round. Yeah, 20. like twenty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah he's so almost, so almost undrafted. Almost undrafted. Yeah. So just take a shot. If he's not good or not playing, you drop him and. There's going to be someone else out there. If he is really good, like the numbers think he is, then you just got a free you just got free production. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, what are some of the mo- the must avoid players? You already kind of mentioned Greg Bird's a guy you want nothing to do with. Are there any other guys you just walk straight past at the first base position? I personally like. I don't think I've ever owned Anthony Rizzo, just because it's like he goes in the second round, and it's like, yeah, he's safe. He's going to provide like fifth round production, but it's just like, that's just not, that's just not me. Like he's, he's just, I know he has to be ranked up there cause he's going to finish like as a top eight first baseman, but it's like, that's where he finishes like top eight. And that's the, that's know. the, and that's the thing you said that you have to rank him there. Cause that's where he's at. Like I've, like there's other positions where I'm ranking guys. I want nothing to do with them. I'm like, I got to put him here because that's just, that's the reality of the situation, but personally, I want nothing to do with them. And like you said, you like Abreu, you like Hoskins. We can get Abreu almost 20 picks later. You get Hoskins, shoot, 27 picks later. Like those are guys you'd much rather have. Yeah, yeah. It's like I have them ranked lower, but it's just like Abreu. Honestly, if you look at it, Abreu and Rizzo have been like the same player for the last four years. Oh yeah, they're like identical. And, I think I mentioned that yeah. on something else. It, it's scary how close they are. Yeah, they're they're really similar. OBP leagues, it's it's Rizzo because he he he's usually in like the three eighty to three ninety OBP, which is which is really nice. So I I think I would he gets a bump up there, but it's just like I don't know, picking Anthony Rizzo just isn't me. You'll you'll never see me pick him. And like you look at Seamer's projections, and not everybody believes in it, and that's fine. But like Rizzo, thirty four homers, Abreu thirty one. He's got him in the runs of 97 to 83, but then RBI is 101 to 97. Rizzo hits 282, Abreu 292. So and essentially they're being projected as almost the same player one can think about, and you're getting them way different in drafts. Um, but yeah, it, it, that, it's a that's big, what I'm saying. Yeah, and I like that a lot. Yeah, it, it's just, I don't know. That's that's just, <laughs> it, just the way I play. I'm never taking Anthony Rizzo. And I, I know people will be like, well, he's consistent. He gets you that. But it's just, like you said, I can just get that with Jose Abreu. Yeah, I like that. I love the Jose Abreu love. This is good to hear. Um, what Are are there any prospects at first base you're targeting? Uh, or like in dynasty leagues or you just want to keep an eye on coming up? Well, I think I think you have to look at Ryan McMahon. That's, that's definitely uh-huh. the guy just because if he's going to take the first base job in Colorado, it's like, you you want to have a piece of the guy that's starting in Colorado. Like I had Mark Reynolds in a couple leagues last year, and it was awesome. It was and amazing. He was a terrible hitter. Yeah, you can get you can get McMahon at three seventy one right now. Yeah, so just he he's another one of those guys. Just take him late. If he's nothing, you drop him, and if he's good, then you got a free hitter. I love it. I love it. All right, well, my man Walter. We hit it all. First baseman, we did our ADP debates already throughout there. We hit up the Orioles. Um, one last Oriole I didn't ask you about. Oh, Trey boy. Mancini. I have a kind of little mini, mini man crush on him. Is it worth it or is it just kind of false hope? 
I I don't like Trey Mancini. I I think he's just gonna be. <laughs> I think I think he's just like a. He's one of those guys that's just had one of those random years, and I I think he's like a backup hitter personally, like a and corner he's outfield. Too, he's going too high for that too. Yeah, yeah. I I just I don't I don't believe in Trey Mancini. Did Did you have any thoughts on on your mock draft? I know you. You, you were thinking maybe talk about that, or do you have yeah, any thoughts that you saw? I do. But I know you said twelve. You said twelve teamer is what you normally play. So what was the what was the difference going to fifteen team? Well, like and I've been doing some other kind of mocking and trying things on a fifteen. It's just when I'm drafting, I'm used to drafting. Going okay, I got these three guys that are going to come around to me later, and it could have also been quote unquote we were with experts. I hate that term because. We're all just fantasy players. Like in reality, that's the grand scheme of it. But um, maybe they were take targeting the same guys. I don't know. But a lot of the guys I would want uh, weren't there. I feel like I was reaching. I already mentioned earlier Tim Beckham. He's going like 260 on the NFBC. I got him at 196. Like that kind of hurt a little bit. But it seemed like shortstops were taken off. The one thing that got me is I I like taking my stolen bases late. You can't do that. I found yep. that out the hard. I found that out the hard way. My stolen bases were disgusting. Unless like I need guys to really overachieve. Like Manny Margot uh, has to really run. Like you, you need him to run a lot. Like my stolen bases are bad. Um, other than that, I don't mind mind it. My pitching, I love my pitching. I started with Kluber Sale on the turns at fifteen. Love that. Um, the power's decent. Average should be good, but stolen bases killed me. Um, what do you no, think? What? Yeah. I was gonna say. I'm just looking at my team right now, and it's so funny. Players that I have on my team in this in this mock: Reese Hoskins, about him a little bit, yeah. <laughs> Whit, Whit, Whit Merrifield, Jay Bruce, Brett Gardner, Aaron Judge, Nelson Cruz, yep. Kershaw. We we didn't talk any of the pitchers, or I, I probably would have talked up all these pitchers that I have too. <laughs> it, well, it's just funny. Funny to see that I did a mock draft that took like all the guys that we were talking about that I said I love. I don't know you, you got your boys right here. Like, um, do you like how it turned out in rounds eight, nine, and ten for you? Where you got Arietta, Price, and Lester. And for those wondering, he had the twelfth pick in the draft, so he got Arietta at one hundred nine, Price at one thirty two, and Lester at one thirty nine. Do you like how that turned out to pair them up with Kershaw? Uh, yeah, I I hate Arietta. I I just hate that pick. I I just don't think he's going to be good at all. And but it, it got to a point where I was like, well, I kind of have to take Arietta here just just on the chance that he's good but I I liked having like since Kershaw is already like you said he's his innings aren't a hundred percent so I liked pairing him up with like a David Price who also has slightly that injury risk but you can like I think if he pitches, he's going to pitch well. And then I also took Brad Peacock, who I think when he pitches is also going to pitch well. And I took like Walker Bueller, who I think when he pitches is also going to pitch well. So it's like you kind of match you, – you kind of have to like mix and match your team. And I think Lester can be that guy that just gives me those solid innings. Like I don't need him to be like the ace that he was before. I just need solid innings out of him. And I like what you did with your closer situation because one thing I think that also hurt me, I mentioned the catcher early in, in the grand scheme, 11th round's not that early. But I took a role as Chapman in the fifth round. I never take close early. I kind of, I think I panicked there because the big guys were going. And to me, when I've been doing research, if you don't get one of the big closers, it just, it drops dramatically. And there's so much 
sketchiness involved. And you took a lot of those second tier guys, which I like. You got Boxberg or Claudio. Those guys have the job per se now, but they might not at the same time, but they could. Um, and then Hildenberger, Steckenreiter, really good guys to get that either have the job or they're going to be potentially good ratio guys that get the job. So I, I like that idea you had there as well. Because I, well, I, after, yeah, mine drowned it out quick. <laughs> I will say, I it was getting late on Friday night. And I meant to take Steckenrider, and I accidentally took Trevor Hildenberger the okay. first time. And it was I was just like, oh, I, like this long these long names just just got me all messed up. But yeah, I, I like Drew Steckenrider. I think he's gonna end up taking the closer job in Miami personally. Yep. And you know, the more you think about it with Arizona, they save a ton of money by not letting Archie Bradley be the closer. No, I hundred percent agree. And when it boils down to it, teams are cheap, and oh, yeah. Archie Bradley is a much better pitcher than Brad Boxberger. But I think Brad, Brad Boxberger is going to be the closer. And no, then, I, I love that. Yeah, and then Claudio, it, it's just like he's probably going to be the first. He's going to get the first chance at it. He pitched well last year. He doesn't strike anyone out, but you know, just I mean, Fernando Rodney kept his job all last year, so. It's like sometimes just taking a guy with a job can be useful, even if they don't have the most elite skills that you're looking for out of a closer. No, I agree. And then I, I really like what you did at picks uh, 169, 192, 199, rounds 12, 13, 14. You mentioned it, Jay Bruce, Brett Gardner, and Scooter Jeanette, who I like a lot of things in for another really good year, especially where you got them in the draft. Tremendous. Those are three guys that are going to be starting for you potentially. And you got them very, very – I really like how your team turned out. Yeah, I I I, I kind of like it. I think it's I think it might be a little light on speed depending on some of my players how they how they plan out, but I, I think I have a good power base cuz you know I have Judge, Jay Bruce always hits for power. And I a, a guy that I got that I really like is Marcus Simeon. Yeah, I love like, that pick. Yeah, he I mean he hits for a good power and gets gets a good amount of stolen bases. I haven't really looked over the like, like I think both of us said we had a busy weekend, so this is the first chance we've really gotten to look at our teams. I haven't even looked at other teams really, but like, yeah. like your team, I think actually you should you should have a decent amount of stolen bases. Like, I really like David Dahl this year. Like, no oh, one wants him because he got him. hurt, and I don't know, just. Taking a chance on a guy in cores is never a bad thing. Like, yes. <laughs> like, like I said, I took Mark Reynolds in a league in like the 29th round of a 15-team league last year and got like he hit 280 with 30 home runs. It, yeah, it's no, just like taking a guy. In, yeah, taking a guy in cores. It's just you can get good production out of a terrible hitter. Yeah, and like I, I like where my team's at. It's just one of those I think, like. A lot of my speed might be more in my later picks, which kind of affects what I do with my early picks uh, <laughs> for putting my roster together. It kind of counterproducts itself. So that's where I'd be kind of a little screwy. But, you know, my pitching I, I like quite a bit, all things considered. But um, is it yeah, interesting. Yeah. What do you think of, what do you think of Miles Kluber? Nicholas? Yeah, Shell Kluber, you can't hate that. And my number three is Rich Hill, who I got in the 10th round. And I'm not the biggest Rich Hill guy, but if I can get 160 innings of Rich Hill, out of the 10th round, I'll take that. Yeah, that's 
I feel like that's that's part of that's part of the part of the problem is everyone still expects pitchers to throw 200 innings. Yeah, I think there was it. like I think there's like 17 last year. I, I think was the number that pitched 200. Don't don't quote me on that. I, I that's just off the top of my head. And Chris Sale led the league at 214 innings. No one threw 215 innings last year. It's just like you're not getting 200 innings out of guys. And like last year, Kershaw was the number four starter. He threw 175 innings. It's like if you can get like you said 160 good innings, I, I think that might be a little high for Rich Hill. But I, I think you I think you get a good 140 out of Rich Hill. And yeah, exactly. When you think about it, you already have Kluber and Sale who are going to pitch 200 plus with great ratios, great whip. If Rich Hill can add another 140 with great ratios, great whip, it, great ERA, great whip, it's just like it, it just solidifies that base that you've already set. You don't need yeah, what, 200 innings out of them. That's why I want to I want to play with this method some more. I'm kind of curious on this. Uh, uh, back-to-back pitchers late in a in the first two rounds here to see kind of what the rest of your team could be because the way you said is pitching is not what it used to be if you can get two workhorses out the gate and just lock in your stats for you that could be tremendous yeah yeah because i i still think obviously like the like the experts that 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 you that we like to say i i think they realize that pitching isn't what it used to be, but I still think that your average person playing fantasy baseball thinks that, oh, I can get a 200-inning guy that throws a 3-5 ERA with ease. And it's like, if I asked you right now, how many qualified starters do you think had a sub-4 ERA? Yep. Not that many. Yeah. The the answer is 29. There's 29. Yeah. yeah, there's 29. Obviously, I, I think you had to qualify for the ERA title. I think it was like 160 innings, I think, around there. So, so there's only 29 that had a sub-4 ERA. That's that's not Crazy. very many. And if yeah. you think about it, when you're taking Sale and Kluber, these guys don't just have a sub-4. These guys are high twos, mid twos ERA. Kluber, low two last year. It's like that's a huge, huge advantage. Yeah, it's it's tremendous. I just got to fine tune what I do after that, but um, it was definitely an eye opener. Saw a lot of things I liked, some things I wanted to do differently. Kind of maybe a few more flyers later that I didn't take. Like you look at um, this front office, Jeremy's team, which is next to yours on the list. Ryan Matson, he got in the twenty sixth round. I, I love that pick. Like that's some upside there, big upside. So. Things to look at, figure out some more as we get closer to draft time, which is coming up very soon. Are you you're in the 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 GFBI, correct? Yeah, yeah, I am. I'm in. I'm just in so many leagues. It's just like I'm in drafts right now, and I'm just like my head is swirling. Uh, I don't even know what's going on anymore. Like I had I had a guy in one of my leagues who was saying he he almost took uh, Yasel and Tuna, which is like a He's a prospect for the Nationals. He almost took him in the fourth round of one of what? his like redraft leagues. Wow! Because he's in the middle of like the the reserve rounds of a dynasty league. <laughs> he almost mixed <laughs> up. Yeah, so it's it's it, when you get in so many leagues, it's just like you don't even know where what what you're doing. Sometimes it I, it's it's just like overload. Yeah, that's it's pretty smarter. Crazy. It's smarter. It's smarter to wait. It's, yeah. 
yeah, early early drafts will get you, but uh, they're still fun. It's fun to always do it. But uh, Walter, it was a pleasure. We will definitely do this again sometime, man. It was good, good time talking baseball with you. Yeah, for sure. Let me know. Thanks, yeah. thanks for having me on. It was it was a great time. I I, I had a lot of fun. Always. Make sure you guys check him out at Real Fake Walter on Twitter, um, and him and his podcast with Paul Martin, the Real Fake Baseball, and the Lenny Melnick. dot com. I believe that's correct, Lenny Melnick. dot com, right, Walter? It's, it's Lenny Melnick Fantasy Sports. dot com. I, I thought we were gonna. I thought we were gonna get a full podcast without having to talk about Paul. I I don't want to talk about him. I'm sorry. I'm we, yeah, we won't. We won't. Paul doesn't exist. I'm gonna I'm gonna edit all this out. I'm sorry, but this is not happening. This didn't happen. All right. Yeah, that's awesome. I we don't want to talk about him. Awesome. Well, everybody, this is Bench with Bubba, episode 68, in the books. We'll catch you guys next time. Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.